Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. We're going to be in Psalm 23 once again. This is our third week to be in Psalm 23. Um, if you have missed the first two weeks of our study together in Psalm 23, I encourage you to go to Spotify or wherever you like to listen to podcasts, and you can probably find us there and get caught up. Um, I've enjoyed our study in Psalm 23 together so far. The theme of this study is uh, the Lord with me forever. Uh, the Lord from Psalm 23 verse 1 with me from verse 4 forever from verse 6. It, it sort of captures everything David is trying to say in Psalm 23. The Lord with me forever. Our key takeaways, we've taken a lot away from this study so far, but our key takeaways could simply be summed up in this way. Uh, the shepherd's sheep, that's me and you, those of us who have been born again in Jesus, uh, we can walk confidently, always, uh, not because of who we are, not because of what our last name is or where we live or how much we have in the bank. We can walk confidently because of whose we are, because of who we belong to. We know we belong to Jesus, so we can walk confidently. We also learn that in Psalm 23, David reflects on these places in his life, and he no longer saw them as just places, but he also saw them as seasons that he had walked through. And David taught us this lesson in Psalm 23 that it's not the seasons and places of our lives that shaped us and made us who we are. It's the shepherd that shaped us as we walked in those places and through those seasons. Last week, we talked about rest. David said that the good shepherd uh, lets him lie down and rest in green pastures and leads him beside still, peaceful waters. And as we talked about that, we learned that if you want to experience rest in Jesus, you have to remain in Jesus. And as we talked about rest last week, everybody walked out of here feeling like they scored a hundred on it. Like they were just, they had it nailed and they felt like they were really good at taking rest. Insert sarcasm there, okay? Somebody asked me last week, they said, what's it like to preach a sermon like that when it's obvious people are sort of uncomfortable about the topic? And I said, to be honest with you, there's two subjects that can be the most uncomfortable to preach on, time and money. Uh, people oftentimes don't get just pumped up to hear a preacher like myself talk to them about what the scriptures say about their money and also about how they spend their time. Today's message is a really close runner-up, okay? Uh, we're going to talk today about learning to be content. And most of us in the room today, we're really good at this. And so if you find yourself a lot like me, maybe you can just check out at this point because you're such a content person. Follow me one more time. Let's read Psalm 23, 1 through 6 together. We're going to continue to read this passage as we walk through this study. David starts off here. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. In two weeks, we're going to go to that verse and talk about how to learn and discern uh, walking in paths of righteousness that the Lord has for us. David says here, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, 
and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Next Sunday, we'll camp out there and talk about the house that God is building for his people forever, where we will dwell with him and with his people as well. Let's back it up now to Psalm 23, verse 1. I want you to see what David says here. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I, what? Need. One more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Let me take the liberty this morning to paraphrase what David is saying here. Essentially, David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm perfectly content. The Lord is my shepherd. I am perfectly content. I'm going to take just a quick moment here to have a quick confession time with you. Many of you, you see me up here preaching, uh, even though I never asked to be put on a pedestal, unfortunately, I get put on a pedestal sometimes. But here's the deal. At the end of the day, I'm a normal guy. Um, My family's not perfect. We have our issues, just like your family has issues. And I have my issues as an individual, just like you do. I have challenges. I have weaknesses. So I want to confess to you this morning, my name is PJ Nolan, and I struggle with being content. In all honesty, this morning, this is one of my personal greatest challenges, one of my greatest weaknesses that I'm always having to keep an eye on. I am constantly having to re-surrender this issue of contentment to Jesus. Probably about a decade ago, uh, God used another pastor in my life from another state uh, to speak this truth into my heart and to my soul regarding this challenge of mine. He said, if the grass looks greener on the other side, you probably just need to learn how to water yours. What he was saying to me was that not every time the grass looks greener somewhere else does that mean you're supposed to go there. What he was saying was a lot of times God's calling you to stay right where you are and cultivate the soil where you are and water the grass where you are. I want you to realize this morning, you probably already know this, but I want to remind you of it. The world we live in, our culture, our society does not make a very good shepherd to your soul. The world and culture and the things going on around us today, it's not a very good shepherd to our souls. Here's why. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The world will always taunt you with what you don't have. The world will always taunt you with what you don't have. But our good shepherd, the shepherd that David writes about, he will always show you that he is more than enough. See, the enemy, the devil, and the culture and society we live in will constantly try to rob us of perfect contentment in the Lord by trying to taunt us with the things that we don't have, making us believe a lie that we need those things when we really don't. And all along the way, if you will turn your attention to the Lord, he will always show you that he is more than enough. I want to share, share with you three common contentment themes. Uh, these are things that a lot of times take place around our lives and our hearts at times that the devil likes to use to rob us of the contentment that God wants to give us. Envy, perfectionism, and people-pleasing. Let's talk about these for just a moment. Envy. Envy looks something like this. Why do they get to have that house with all of that land? I mean, after all, we've worked harder and we've worked longer. Why do they get to have that? Why do they get to have that house? Why does he get to have her or why does she get to have him? 
Why is it on social media their family always looks so put together? Meanwhile, our children always look like they just finished eating a bowl of SpaghettiOs and rolling around in the dirt. Let me tell you some truth this morning. What you see on uh, social media isn't real. It's a highlight reel. And moments before that perfect picture was taken that they decided to post after they applied filters to it, moments before that, the whole family was on the verge of killing each other. That's the reality. And you know it is because you've been there. And you've posted the picture and you've applied the filter to it. We're all guilty of it. But these things cause us to envy. And when we envy, the contentment that God wants to give us and the contentment that God calls us to have, all of a sudden we are robbed of it because of envy. The other one here is perfectionism. Perfectionism. There's a lot of perfectionists in the room today. I'm one of them. Perfection comes in various forms. You want to make sure you do things just right. You want to make, th- make sure things look just right. Or you just want to have complete control over every situation. Perfectionism. For example, I used this illustration in first service. There will be someone today after this service that I, that's on the worship team. And I'll say to them, hey, great job today. You nailed it. And they'll go, man, thank you for that. But I missed that one note. I got to really work on that next time. And I'll say to them what I always say, guess what? Nobody out here knew you missed the note. We're just all thankful to have you leading worship. Or someone comes up to you and says, hey, you're looking great. That shirt looks good on you. Have you lost some weight? Yeah, five pounds, but I got another 15 to go. See what I'm saying here? We we can never, we rarely find contentment right where we are because we're striving for this other place or destination. It's kind of this syndrome of, well, once we get to tomorrow, or once I have that, or once I'm able to do this, perfectionism. But then there's people-pleasing. I'm not going to camp out too much on this one because I can tell by the expressions in the room today, you already know. You already know. People-pleasing. I do want you to get this, though. No matter the age you are here today, it is impossible for you to be content with who God has called you to be and with who God has saved you to be if you are always consumed with what or who others think you should be. Don't need to say that one more time. It is impossible for you to be content with who God is calling you to be if you're always consumed with what others think you should be. What happens a lot of times is we go through lives what I like to call the chameleon syndrome. And you change your colors based on who you're around. You know what? You'll never find contentment doing that because you'll always be trying to figure out, okay, who do I got to adapt to now? I saw a meme a while back. It talked about how um, before you send a meme to your friends, you try to figure out, okay, what, what kind of sense of humor do they have? And I'll send a meme to them that matches their sense of humor. People-pleasing. Like, and we consume ourselves with this and drive ourselves absolutely crazy with it. It's impossible to be content with who God is calling you to be if you're always consumed with what others think you should be. I want you to know today that you can be who God has called you to be while also going in and out of various circles and around various people. You can have backbone. You can stand firm on God's word. You know what? In fact, God's called us all to be missionaries. And if we're not willing to go into other places around other people that are different than us, 
and be willing to be salt and light in the world, then we can't fulfill the great commission that God has called us to in Matthew chapter 28. So it's good, it's healthy to go into various circles, but you gotta learn to be content in being who God has called you to be according to his word. I wanna take you now to the New Testament for just a moment. I'm gonna take you to the New Testament and then we're gonna tie it back together with Psalm 23. The good news we have here this morning, even though we all struggle with contentment, is because the Lord is our shepherd, we can learn to be content. Uh, the Lord has given us his, what he calls his Holy Spirit. And the scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit is a teacher. The Holy Spirit is a counselor. The Holy Spirit is an advocate. And so the Holy Spirit wants to teach us how to be a content people. The Apostle Paul, over in the book of Philippians, he teaches you and I that contentment is a learned condition of the heart. Now, Paul wrote many of the letters that we read to various churches in the New Testament. What makes Philippians so unique is the tone in which Paul writes with and where he writes it from. Philippians, as I believe, I think it's the only letter that Paul writes to a church where he's not getting on to the church for misbehaving. He's actually, he praises the Philippians. Uh, Philippians is known for its tone being filled with joy. Yet Paul writes it from a prison cell. He is locked up for sharing the gospel, but he writes with great joy. The Philippians were concerned about Paul being in jail, so they decided to send Paul a financial offering. Paul's response to them, I didn't really read it this way until I was uh, preparing this week, but Paul's response could be kind of awkward depending on how you read it. Follow along with me. He's writing back to them about this financial gift they sent him. He says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. I kind of wonder how the Philippian church first heard this. I mean, think about it. They, Paul's locked up. They round up some money, and they send him a financial gift. And Paul's response, depending on how you hear it, could come across as, hey, thanks for the offering, but I really don't need it. Uh, thanks for the offering, but Jesus is all I really need. But I'm glad you sent the offer, offering, so thanks, I think. Like, that's how it could come across. Or, if you were a mature believer in the Philippian church, you more than likely heard this in Paul's tone. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In Jesus, I am content with whatever I have or don't have, whether I'm in jail or roaming free. Paul told us that the secret to being content is a learned condition of the heart. And David modeled this for us in Psalm 23 as well when he wrote this psalm and shared it with us. Let's go back there now and let me share with you three things that are the secret of being content. Number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Shift your perspective. Shift your perspective. The secret of being content is to shift your attention from all the stuff that's happening around you. Shift your attention from the things that you think you need 
Shift your attention from all the wants in your life and shift your attention to the one who is at work in you. What did David say? Go back to this, Psalm 23, verse one. This is exactly what David did. David shifted his perspective to the one who was working in his life and on his life. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one who is working in me. He is the one who's working on me. He is the one that leads me. He is the one that provides for me. The Hebrew name here for the Lord is my shepherd is the name Jehovah Roha. It literally means the Lord my shepherd. Remember the takeaway from week one here in Psalm 23 was that we can walk confidently in and through all seasons, not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. You can walk confidently today because Jehovah Roha, the Lord my shepherd, is working in you today. Here's one of the things I love about the Lord. Jehovah Roha isn't the only name that God has for himself. It's not the only name that he shared with us. Because God wants us to know him intimately, not just know about him, but really know him. All throughout the pages of scripture, if you will dig in, you will see that God has given us multiple names about himself so that we might know him, walk confidently in him, and learn contentment in him. So who's our way? We belong to Elohim, the strong creator God. We can walk confidently today and learn contentment in Jehovah, the relational God. I can walk in peace today because I belong to Adonai, the God who rules. You can find contentment in all circumstances of your life today because you belong to Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. You can find peace and contentment in your marriage and in your parenting today because you belong to Jehovah Tassaba, the Lord, our warrior. There is great contentment to be found in remembering that you belong to Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. We walk today, church, and are protected by El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. There's contentment to be learned and found because we walk with Emmanuel, God with us. And when you turn your attention and shift your perspective to the one that walks before you, to the one walking beside you and behind you and working in you, there is great contentment to be found. Which brings me to our second point this morning. The secret of being content is after you shift your perspective to the Lord my shepherd is to turn your attention more to your met needs and less to your wants. This is what David did. Look at verses one and five. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I have all that I need. He goes on a little further in verse five to say, in fact, not only do I have all that I need, my cup overflows with blessings. We're talking here for just a moment about the four-letter word want. This word doesn't take up much space on a page of paper, but it takes up a whole lot of space in the minds and hearts of people both believers and unbelievers alike. There are some folks here today, I don't know who you are, but there are some folks here today that are driven by their wants, consumed by their wants. Not all wants are bad. It's been said by one pastor that want is human. Want is normal, but want, if we let it, can be a tyrant. Like I said a moment ago, most wants aren't bad. Our wants can be broken down into three categories, relational wants, spiritual wants, and material wants. And a lot of the wants we have in these different categories, they're not bad. They're good things. 
Uh, take relational wants, for example. Most of us want good friends. A lot of us are seeking godly community. A lot of us want to have a healthier marriage. We want to have a good relationship with our kids. We want these relational things. A lot of those things are even needs. Take it to spiritual. Many of us want a stronger prayer life. We want to be more consistent in the word of God. We, we want to be more generous with our income, and we want to be able to do things with the finances that God has blessed us with. Then there's material wants. There's a lot of people in our church today, first and second service, like materially, you just want to be able to put groceries on the table and in the fridge most weeks of the month. You, materially, you just want to be able to pay all the bills this month without having to worry about an overdraft fee for once. Those aren't bad wants. Like you just want to be able to make ends meet. Where wants become tyrants is when we become consumed with bigger, better, and more. Bigger, better, and more. Don't misunderstand me here for a second. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the fruits of your labor. Nothing wrong with it. Man, if you're in a position where you can have a boat and you can share it with me, God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. And man, if you're in a position where you got a really nice house with a guest house and a pool and you can have me over to study during the week and you know all that good stuff, hey, nice. Let's do that. Here, here's where the the... the things get out of hand. When your stuff begins to own you, instead of you owning your things, you probably have a contentment issue. Shared in first service that during my time away in June, I did this little exercise that a pastor friend of mine had encouraged me to do. June just happened to also coincide with my 18th ministry anniversary, 18 years in ministry. And so this pastor friend of mine, he said, hey, on your time away from your church, I want you to sit down he said, I want you to reflect back. Reflect back on the last 18 years and journal it. He was like, try to recall uh, things you prayed about, things you dreamed about, things that you set as goals. And just recall those things. And he said, and then write out all the ones that God brought to fruition and, and give him praise for it and give him thanks for it. And so um, I go through seasons. I'm a big journaler. I go through seasons where I journal more and other seasons where that journal can sit there for two weeks. I don't put unrealistic pressure on myself to try to journal every day, but I like to journal. And so me and Lauren have storage boxes, literally filled with journals that we've kept from over the years from our quiet times and, and prayers and so on. So anyways, I pulled some of those out in the month of June. And I was looking back at some from my late teens, like 19 and early 20s and all throughout my 20s. And one of the things I just never realized until I looked back at it, how much I dreamed about it was planting a church. I have journal pages filled with thoughts and ideas and prayers about planting a church one day. In fact, I even specifically asked God, God, if it would be within your will, like maybe one day we could plant a church in Saline County. And so I'm looking back on those things, looking at specifically, I saw like at one point in time, I'd put in a journal like, God, it'd be really cool if you blessed us with, when we have children, uh, one girl and one boy, just one and one of each. And that's why we're not having three because, you know, number one, we don't want to be outnumbered. And two, you got one of each. Well, I messed that up. So, but I'm looking back at all this. And now at 37 years old, I'm seeing these prayer requests and these dreams and these visions and these goals that I had. And I'm looking back now and I'm seeing God's answered most of it. Amen. And the things that I saw that I prayed for that he didn't answer, you know, he, he was being a good shepherd. He said, you don't need that. 
but these other things you're asking for, I'll grant it to you. That's our shepherd. He is a good God. And we, when we look back on things, we will realize that a lot of the times the things that we prayed for and yearned for and longed for, we have them. Because he's a good God. He's a, he's a provider to us. Me and Lauren went back to Texas this week for a few days, went to visit her grandmother, our kid's great-grandmother. Um, she's 94. And one of Lauren's aunts down there asked me about this past spring when I was in the tornado that came through Little Rock. And she said to me, she said, weren't you afraid of dying? And I just said to her, and, like, and I don't say this boastfully today, and I didn't say it boastfully to her the other day, but I'm like, no, I really wasn't. What do you mean you weren't afraid of dying? I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. And so here's the deal, folks. If we're going to say we're Christians, if we're going to say we're followers of Jesus, we either believe the Scriptures or we don't. And, and Paul said earlier on in the book of Philippians, uh, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So praise God I made it out on the other side of that tornado because that, I'm like, all right, it's more for living for Jesus now. But if I had got called home to my eternal home that God's preparing where I get to dwell forever in the presence of God, scriptures say that's gain. Here's the other thing we have to believe. Do we believe it or not is that the Lord is my shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I encourage you today to take some time to look back and you will see that the Lord has met every single one of your needs along the way. Maybe not all of your wants, but all of your needs. Third and final thing here this morning is this. Remember the one you can trust. You learn contentment by shifting your perspective to the shepherd. And as you do that, you realize and you turn your attention more to the needs that he has met and less to your wants. And you'll notice that all along the way, he's been the only thing and only one that you can ultimately trust. What I mean by that is as humans, we let each other down. We're broken, we're imperfect, we're sinful. We offend each other at times. This world is unstable. It's turbulent. The economy's up and down. Um, I don't know about you, but in 2020, my retirement account took a big hit. What that taught me during that time was this. The Lord's the one I can trust. He's the only one that's unchanging. Everything else is constantly changing. But Jesus says in the book of Hebrews, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And David knew this when he wrote Psalm 23. Look at what he said. The Lord is my shepherd. He's saying here, he's the one I trust. I have all that I need. Lord, you're close beside me. In fact, your goodness and unfailing love pursue me all the days of my life. Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church.